1: It's the SNL Hall of Fame podcast With your host, Jamie Dew Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna And featuring Matt Ardill And now, Curator of the Hall jamie do
2: thank you so much doug denantz it is great to be here on episode number three of season three that's right we are three deep into season three so put on your three deep glasses and get ready to be regaled But before you do that and before you walk inside, please do me a favor and wipe your feet because the SNL Hall of Fame is a neat and tidy kind of place. The SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair. Each episode, we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and we add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the hall. This week, we are in the cast member category, and we are talking all about an original Not Ready for Primetime player, Jane Curtin. So this should be real great. I'm excited by our guest as well. We're we're talking to Andrew Dick. Uh, Love his podcast, and you should too, so check that out. It's That Week in SNL. So what do you say we get right into things this week and dive into our friend, Matthew Ardill's Minutia Minute. This is a place where we set the table and learn a little bit about our nominee before we get into the deep dive. Matthew, I'm walking over to him now. Matthew, Matt,
3: are you ready to talk some Jane Curtin? How you doing? Hey, Jimmy, it's great. Yeah, Jane Curtin, she holds a special place in my, my heart. Always has, Um, you know being one of the original cast and just really brought a grounding to so much. Uh, she actually went to school to work in like as an ambassador, uh, holds an associate degree from Elizabeth Seton's junior college and served as the U- on the U S committee national ambassador for UNICEF. Uh, she, she dropped out of college after her, fr- a friend of her mother who was a secretary to the ambassador of Japan told her you will never go any further than where you are right now uh which has to have been kind of heartbreaking oh my a, god a young yeah. teenager but um we reaped the benefit so she immediately quit and joined the proposition improv troupe um after a friend asked her to join her at the auditions uh she actually originally wasn't even going to audition but they said hey does anyone else want to uh, audition and she said yeah okay i'll give it a shot and uh was hired and her friend was not uh she yeah so she made the circuit of that early improv world and just sort of off-broadway universe in the late 60s early 70s uh in 1974 she starred in an off-broadway uh show that she wrote uh called pretzels uh she wrote it with fred grundy um, she has 61 acting credits and six soundtrack credits, oddly enough. Um, I, I discovered her originally, to be honest, uh, through Kate and Allie with Susan yes, St. James. Uh, 1984. Well. Yeah, I mean, I I love the show. I, I didn't want to because it was my sister's show. And when you're a little kid, you always <laughs> want to hate what your sister likes. But yeah, and, and I didn't know this until uh, recently, but Kate and Allie was originally called Two Mommies. Uh, which sure. thankfully got next.
2: Yeah, if yeah. for no other reason than for that great repurposing on SNL. Do you remember yes. that with yeah. uh, Billy Crystal and Martin Short, I think? And yes. it was Kate, Kate and Ali. <laughs>
3: yes, yes. Like
2: oh, <laughs> mean, Catherine Hepburn and Muhammad Ali. Yeah, so
3: like just uh, our, the comedic potential is much better. Also, two mommies. It feels too easy. You yeah. know, just like it's like. Ugh. But I would like to he, think that
2: we were more liberated in 84 or like women were more liberated in 84.
3: It, it, it'd be nice. I still remember enough of 1984 though. Yeah. About, uh, <laughs> yeah unfortunately.
2: It's not the case.
3: Yeah. Uh, like her other big role being Dr. Mary Albright on third rock from the sun. Of course. Um, which she said she was intimidated by uh, Joseph Gordon Lovett because he was so cool Uh, He wasn't mean or anything. He wasn't a prima donna. He was just so cool. This comedy royalty was intimidated by him. Um, Her first film uh, was actually how to beat the high cost of living. You know, she's also been in Coneheads and was nominated in the Oscar nominated film, Can You Ever Forgive Me? She's been on Broadway in Candida, Love Letters, Noises Off and the revival of Our Town with Paul Newman. Uh, she cites her inspirations as Lucy, uh, Eve Arden, uh, and Betty White's sitcom Life with Elizabeth, uh, which was a series of 15-minute shorts uh, oh. that was on TV. Um, now, one of the wildest things is she was kind of punk rock in her later years. In While filming Third Rock from the Sun, she, uh, Simbi Kali, and Wayne Knight, would just steal golf carts and drive around the sets rating other shows craft services including Seinfeld and she actually found that Third Rock from the Sun had better craft services than Seinfeld. Oh.
2: <laughs> so yeah, like got to pay Lithgow, man. He got to he got Yeah, yeah. Gotta feed Lithgow.
3: Yeah, he he, you know, he he doesn't come cheap
2: right <laughs> that french stewart is uh you know a real very pic-
3: demanding he wants you know it. very he wants the perfect crepe at every 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 That's filming nice.
2: all right jane Curtin, great job matt <laughs> we'll see you next week in the minutia minute but for now let's kick it to thomas senna who is downstairs with andrew dick getting ready to present to us
4: I think you and I probably roughly the same age I'm guessing in the ballpark at the same age so i'm curious about your your sketch comedy journey and in particular how you got familiar with the original SNL cast and
5: Jane Curtin uh, in particular ooh well i mean you know the SNL journey Definitely starts, I mean, I don't know, I don't think I was really watching it on NBC until the late 90s, you know, the Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry cast, but Comedy Central was the one that, that very much tipped me to the era's previous, but even at that time, they never showed anything past, or before, season 11? Twelve, eleven. Right. So that first decade, for the longest time, was just uh, something I had no clue about, for the most part. Beyond like there was Eddie and Chevy and Belushi, and like you know, it's like, and then there was other people like Dan Aykroyd. You remember him too, right? And I kind of fell out of the show around two thousand four or five. And it was actually reading up about uh, the early '80s of SNL, like a decade later, that really got me back into the show. And this was also around the time that they were putting out the uh, the first five seasons on DVD. So you know, I, I went, I got all of them, and went through my journey. And by the end. I was struck with the the fact that I was like okay yeah I mean everybody has everybody's incredible in the cast uh but but Jane stuck out to me the most and was also the one that I I had the least amount of knowledge of mm-hmm. walking in because you know, on the best of you you'll see all these other characters and sketches from other people. And I mean, you'd even get uh, like Garrett had Chico Escuela, but Jane didn't really have big, heavy hitter characters in the way that you would think of an SNL alum. Uh, She was something completely different. Like You can just do a best of Jane Curtin in the same way that you could with other people. Because she's always, she might be the straight woman or another character within the scene. But rarely is she the lead, which is an interesting place to be for an SNL cast member. Right,
4: right. Yeah, when
5: I think about the original cast,
4: um, I kind of think in many ways, you know, they set the templates for kind of like certain roles in that ensemble. So we think about Dan Aykroyd. He was maybe the the original glue guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Gilda Radner played a lot of hammy and goofy characters. John Belushi was the physical presence. Chevy was also, you know, physical comedian. But where did Jane fit into that Sort of stew that Lorne Michaels put together in 1975.
5: Well, I was trying to—I was trying to think of what the word would be to describe Jane earlier in the day, and—and and really, what I could come up with best is she was the backbone of the show, and it's—it's—it's an it's a archetype that the show doesn't always have, and I feel only a few have that presence like tim Kazarinsky or maybe chris parnell in his his better years uh these people that that don't always you know are are the focus are the lead are the big stars but they are placed into uh, you know throughout the entire night and they are just doing transcendent work the entire time and and really like jane doesn't come from a sketch comedy background trying to figure out you know jane's origins are kind of tricky because i mean she was born in massachusetts you know went to school and then kind of dropped out and joined a comedy group called the proposition and i don't know anything about the proposition. I don't know if they're improv or whatever. I, it, apparently her first audition for SNL would be one of the scenes that she had written for the proposition and I think she performed it with one of her her teammates you know from the group. And then from there, all I can tell is that in 74 she was in a off-Broadway play written by her, John Forrester, Judith Khan Con- Khan Kahan. <laughs> and uh, Fred Grandy, and it was called Pretzels. And so that that would be uh, why she's in New York at that time. But, I, you know, like from 68, she joins the proposition. Cut to 74, she's in New York doing this off-Broadway play. Right. And it's it's hard to piece together the details, but I think that kind of underlines that Jane was... You know, I, I feel maybe one of the more private mm-hmm. people of the original cast and one of the mellower and and down to earth uh, cast members, even down to like uh, other cast members, hosts would say. I mean, she was a very down to earth, like focused, like she was just like, let's get in there. Do the job, learn the lines, write the sketches, and go home. Because in '75, like she had gotten married, uh, still married the same man, you know. Yeah. To this day, yeah. And she wasn't a partier. No, and like she the rest
4: like, of them, she wasn't in that. I mean, you read the oral history and some other things on SNL, and you're right. She would. She liked to go back home and mm-hmm. and hang out with her family. And the other people were doing the after parties and everything. So I think her journey to the show is sort of foreshadowing how she was going to be with the other cast members on the show. The other ones were, maybe they knew each other. I think most of them knew each other from Second City or mm, yeah, National Lampoon. All, mm-hmm. Kind of for the most part, they were in a, a kind of tight circle, but Jane wasn't. And I think that was kind of foreshadowing her time on the show.
5: In a way. I mean, yeah, she is sort of the outsider, but in a good way. And, and she kind of I don't know I just I feel a lot of her attitudes towards the show uh, mirror mine both comedically within the the show and just uh, on the outside as well because I think by like season five like she had was was so done with the bullshit that like she had she needed like Gilda needed to be a, a, a person that would run between her and Lorne because they just weren't even speaking at that point. But then, you, you look at season five, and she's doing her best work yet. So, even when times are troubled, uh, Jane is still just smashing it. You know how you uh, your description of
4: her uh, reminded me of... I think she she was kind of like the bass player in a good band. Almost like, you know, the, the bass player is oftentimes that backbone of the band. You don't quite notice... Them, they're not quite up front, but you notice them when they're not mm-hmm. there. You know, yeah. in a band, you notice the bass when it's not there. And I think Jane, uh, that just sort of entered my mind that she's she she's kind of like the bass player. Uh, yeah, in, no, in that's a good band.
5: That, that is a an apt comparison. And uh, yeah, I think she does establish the grooves a lot of time. Mm-hmm. You know, in sketches that she's in, uh, she she would very much uh, bring the scene down to her reality well not down to her but you know what i mean like she she will then command the reality of where the the sketch is going to be by her mere presence and i saw you uh, on jane's
4: birthday describe her as being a great reactor yes i was kind of curious about about what you meant by that
5: well, I mean, like I said, she's usually within straight woman roles, straight man, straight woman, whatever you want to say, but she's so in the pocket uh that that all of her reactions are so naturalistic and hilarious to me that I, I don't know, it, it just it's really that's what I I remember about Jane is is the faces that she would pull. To say Gilda doing Emily Latilla or Al Franken ripping up roaches next to her and the, the honest to God <laughs> disgust in her face or, or her scenes with John, you know, where they're kind of bickering backstage and you can really feel the simmering mm. disgust, the honest disgust that she kind of had with that man. And, and it, it, it's so real but it's so hilarious and and her her time on updates you know i always feel having gone through all 47 years of the show every episode like weekend updates so hard to discuss and really at this point at least for 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 vintage stuff in terms of update like i don't care about the jokes uh or, or whatever coming out of the anchors i want to see their own personality come Mm -hmm. out. So that's why, you know, like, I don't like Dennis Miller, but I enjoy Colin Quinn because I don't care what joke Colin is saying, but when he bombs that joke and reacts to it, (laughs) that's what's making me laugh at this point. I mean, (laughs) like, I don't know what it is. Like every so often Jane and the control room are out of sync. On update, and so there's a lot of her like kind of biffing camera transitions, okay. and she always makes it hilarious because like just the way she reacts to it always kills me, yeah, that's and somebody so who's comfortable in that
4: seat who's good at improv uh, and everything like that so just for a little background uh she started on update when
5: uh ooh what like episode f- Four, two, three, or four of season two because season that's two. when. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yep. like Chevy it injured himself, and so he was out for a couple episodes. So she took over. Then Chevy came back, but he was already kind of running out the clock. He was already supposed to leave anyway. So, like you know, around Christmas season two, that's when she takes over pretty much full time. And later on in season three, she'll be paired with with Dan Aykroyd. Uh, seasons four and five should be paired with with Bill Murray, and how well they do is is a different conversation. But I felt like Jane never needed a co-anchor. I agree. That's one of Ever. my
4: notes is I preferred her by herself. Yes. Or when she was paired with Dan or Bill, I preferred the Jane portions mm-hmm. of Weekend Update around that time. I completely agree. Uh, she didn't. She didn't uh, need a cohort.
5: On weekend update no, and I feel like that's something a lot of people agree on at this point like I don't know how people felt back in the day Uh, certainly like it seemed like in season two they were I mean you know Chevy had left update was his big thing I'm sure audiences as they always are with SNL cannot cannot handle change uh and so that like that dissatisfaction apparently from the audience is what leads to, I feel like her earliest uh, sort of infamous breakout moments of of update is where she flashes the camera in in frustration.
0: I've been getting letters about News Update lately with phrases like going downhill, not what it used to be, and just plain boring. Mm. Mostly the letters are about how update isn't as good as when that sexy Chevy Chase did it. The network says the ratings are slipping and they're putting a lot of pressure on Lauren to try somebody new. Like that new kid, Murray, or whatever his name is. <laughs> you see, I just assumed that it was responsible journalism you wanted, not sex. <laughs> I gave you more credit than that. But I was wrong. What can I say besides, try these on for size, Connie Chung.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: rock, throw, you it? rock, throw,
5: you Which you know, that's always played in clip shows and stuff. But that then leads to an even funnier update, and I believe the next episode where she's she's playing coy the entire time.
1: And now, weekend update with Jane Curtin.
0: Hi, I'm Jane Curtin. <laughs> Remember the last time I did update from this desk? Not tonight. I have a headache.
3: <laughs>
5: and, you know, there's all these little beats and smiles to the camera. And, like, she'll change camera and just take a beat and go, hello. And it's, it's like, I don't know. Like, I really loved what they did with her on update. And it just, I never needed somebody else. Like, later on, they they would add a running story of her being obsessed with Walter Cronkite <laughs> yeah. uh which I think is one of the few times that a weekend update running joke actually leads to like a pre-tape based on it uh so that's a little uh SNL history lesson there so there is yeah. an example though of of when she she
4: shined with with somebody else on update it was those point counterpoint Uh, Mm -hmm. segments that they would do. Um, She she did them with both Dan and Bill Murray. Uh, Of course, there was the famous one with, or, or, you know, I think Dan said it multiple times, the Jane, you ignorant slut, but she had really biting humor. (laughs) during those point-counterpoint segments.
0: Dan, these point-counterpoints are getting a little absurd, and it's all your fault. It seems that no matter what I say, you'll disagree with me. If I came out for the imprisonment of murderers, you'd say, no, let them go. You're a pompous ass, Dan, obnoxious, (laughs) arrogant, and snotty. I don't like you, and I never will, so sit on this, Dan. (laughs) I hope I made my point.
4: That's something where she was able to use her wit and kind of smarmy biting humor on Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. So that's an, that's actually an example of when I liked when there was somebody else with her at the desk.
5: Yeah, uh, true. I can agree with that because again, it, it leads into Jane being able to to take somebody down, uh, which she does very well. <laughs> Exactly, And, you know, like, her, like, alongside, you know, I know know it's uh, a heresy to say in the SNL fandom, but I'm not a huge fan of, like, Emily Latilla or Rosanna, Rosanna Dana, so her annoyance with those characters are my own. That's my own. When she's reacting (laughs) against those characters, I feel the same, and I'm like, I'm right there with you, Jane.
4: Yeah, she had a running feud with Emily Latella. Um, mm-hmm. Even outside of update, there were segments on the show where she and Emily Latella were kind of uh, had some tension between them. Yeah, so I, yeah, I completely agree <laughs> with you there. Uh, anything else uh, about Jane on update that that stands out to you before before we shift gears?
5: Um, let's see. Yeah, no, I I think I mean I pretty much said it all. It just yeah, she you her personality comes through to me in in that segment and it's it's always winning you know yeah. like it, it's just she really puts it over and i think you know no offense to dan or bill but i think like dan just i, I don't think he's quite natural just being himself on camera right so his stuff unless he's being able, like he's able to kind of get into a character like with the point car- counterpoints you know, he's fine there, but reading off jokes, it doesn't really quite connect. And then Bill Murray also just kind of does this smarmy showbiz guy character for his update as well. So they're both mm-hmm. kind of playing characters, but Jane is more or less still just, it's Jane. She's playing herself. And so that's what uh, always stands out to me is yes. just really feeling her personality come through.
4: Yeah, I love when Bill Murray, his first uh, episode as as Weekend Update co-anchor, Jane was just so. Palpably annoyed by him, almost giving him these looks like, "Why are you behaving this way? Like, why? Are, what are you doing?" Like, I just love that was classic Jane. Um, that was in season four, uh, I believe, the first episode of season four. If anybody wants to go back and and look at Jane's reactions to to Bill Murray joining the update desk,
5: yeah. And like when Chevy comes back in season three and joins her on the update desk, also leads to like a good breakdown from her as well yeah just great stuff
4: yeah uh jane also in my opinion was even maybe it's even to this day possibly the best talk show host (laughs) in snl history uh she had i mean all sorts of victims of shark bite dangerous but inept looks at books like there were just so many different talk shows Mm -hmm. that revolved around jane i mean what was it about her that just made her just such a natural uh, in that role?
5: Well, again, I think it's just her ability to react. I mean, it's that's why almost in the original cast, nobody else did a talk show host role unless it was like Dan doing Tom Snyder or something. But if they were doing a fake talk show, Jane was going to be the one mm-hmm. hosting it because that—that is—that's her that's where she shines is to again react off people. And so when it's like her and like Dan as Irving Mainway.
0: Mr. Mainway, let's talk about the milk you're serving our children. We've taken the liberty of having your milk analyzed at the lab, I think the public has a right to know. It's dog milk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so what? Dogs are mammals, aren't they? I don't know where you get it, how you get it, or who actually milks the dogs, and I don't care. Well, it's your loss, Miss Face, because it's a very interesting process, let me tell you. Mr. Mainway, you are beneath contempt. Not only are you robbing the taxpayers of their dollars, you are also robbing our children of their right to good health. You're stunting their growth and dulling their brains. How do you sleep at night? Come on, let me tell you something.
5: It's classic SNL, you know. It's like she's just doing such great work against these ridiculous characters, but again, she she grounds it right. in a, a, a reality, so it's not just crazy wacky town. There is a, a basis of reality here that she's providing that allows the other character to be even larger than life to be even, you know, uh, even funnier because there is that basis of reality now. Right. And, and she's like, you know, providing that, that naturalistic, like what? It's so if everybody's Element wacky, nobody's
4: wacky. Like you yeah. need that ground in person. I mean, that makes sense. And then like mm-hmm. the straight man or straight woman, that's a thankless role. I think it's getting more, you know, as people, dissect comedy more over the years. I think that role is getting more respect, but even back then, you know, that straight man and straight woman role didn't get a ton of respect, but it's, you're right, it's so vital. Jane was just so amazing
5: in that role. And really, I feel like, you know, to bounce off that, I I think she's just pound for pound one of the best actors the show has ever had. Just go off that, because... Yeah, you know, I could be wrong. Uh, finding all of the the writing credits of the original years pretty hard to mm-hmm. track down, but she did seem to be the muse of Marilyn Suzanne Miller, who wrote so many great slice of life uh, sketches, and a lot of them were led by Jane. Like I'm thinking like her and Gilda like talking about boys and Louise Lasser episode, uh, Jane having to like hold it down against a boozy Chris Christofferson, <laughs> uh, you know, as her gynecologist that she's about to go on a date with. So like you know, it's like Jane is holding down and propping up a a boozy semi non actor in this this, you know, two hander. It's just him and her. And uh it's amazing and really my favorite i think my favorite jane sketch comes in a a very well known episode which is the uh, the steve martin blues brothers episode from season 3 everybody knows this episode it's it's damn near just a best of snl episode but much in a in a way for jane the one sketch nobody really comments on is a bedroom scene between her and uh, Belushi where they are a couple like sort of revealing their infidelities to each other. And at okay. the end, you find out that that's how they get into the mood with each other. <laughs> and it's just, it's incredible. It's so good. And, you know, just goes to show that even if Jane didn't really get along with John, still as a scene partner, they could crush it. You know, she just elevates, elevates everything.
4: Yeah. Total pro. Uh, uh, So much. Just just such a total pro. Uh, You mentioned like the slice slice of life sketches. And one of my favorites happened in season one. uh, And I actually want to use that as a jumping off point for for a game I'm going to spring on you. Oh, boy. We play games here at the SNL Hall of Fame. Holy crap. All right. So it's two truths and a lie. I don't know if you're familiar with this game. Um, vaguely. (laughs) All right. I will name, I will mention three phrases or I'll say three things, two of Mm -hmm. which are true. One of which is a lie. So you spot the lie.
5: Okay. All right. All right. So there's a sketch
4: in season one, episode 13. It's called janitor in a fridge. So in this sketch, Jane as a seemingly unfaithful wife Made up explanations to her husband as to why there were men in the house. <laughs> yes, yes. So you remember this? So I, vaguely, vaguely. Okay. Yes. So which of these statements is false? Ooh. Okay. All right. Jane told her husband about salesman in a pantry. Jane told her husband about doorman in a closet. And Jane told her husband about milkman in the bedroom. Which one of those is false?
5: Read me the first two again.
4: All righty. Jane told her husband about salesman in the pantry. And Jane told her husband about doorman in the closet.
5: I'm going to go with doorman in the closet. Eh uh, no.
4: Damn it. <laughs> I know you're so competitive, I knew. Uh Jane did not tell her husband about salesmen in the pantry. Uh, yeah. but sh- so 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 the premise of that sketch was obviously the husband comes home and there's men at the house and so she's scrambling to kind of make up reasons why they're there. She also She's like basically him, having an orgy. <laughs> basically because there's also Uh, mailman and the maid Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then Lorraine Newman knocks on the door because she's new lady in the house next door yeah (laughs) so uh so that was just a great early example again in season one of that slice of life and Jane was just so great in that sketch that was a Jane led sketch yeah uh, one of the early ones that really popped out to me
6: I say honey
3: I really could have sworn I heard a man's voice in here when I came in
6: Oh, why, that's impossible. I'm here all by my lonesome.
3: <laughs> well, I guess I must have imagined it. I think I'll have me a cold beer. Boy, boy, what a day. Well, what's Hi, this? Pork.
6: How you doing? <laughs> why, silly, that's no this. That's new no janitor in the fridge.
3: <laughs> well, what's that?
6: new janitor in the fridge makes your refrigerator self-cleaning, keeps shelves and drawers gleaming and odor-free, kills household germs, shines all fridge surfaces with no rubbing, no scrubbing, no rinsing, no wiping. Food stays fresher longer, and so do I.
5: Yeah, and it's her kind of working, you know, on the back foot the entire time as well. Like, she's having to cover up for all this. So, excellent sketch. Yeah, I'm I'm a fraud for not uh, remembering every detail of it. Damn it.
4: Gosh, I'm so disappointed. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> there was also a few episodes after that. Uh, one of my favorites from the early years, The Household at Hints, where she plays a oh, dominatrix. the dominatrix. Yes. yes. Yep. She plays the dominatrix who comes to help Gilda be a better house cleaner, mm-hmm. I guess. And yeah. that was just Jane, you know, playing off the fact that she was she was the straight laced kind of straight woman on the show, and then it's sort of the juxtaposition. Here she is, right. the dominatrix. I just love when she would flip the script that way.
5: Yeah, and it, uh, I would have loved to see because, like, that's still season one. So, like the the beats, the the personalities of the 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 cast hadn't really fully come out yet it would have really been interesting to see like household hints uh happen in like season four or five and how it would have been perceived i think it might have been even bigger for her because you know her her sort of straight-laced personality Mm -hmm. would have been very established in people's minds at that point so jane playing a dominatrix would have been like whoa this is crazy
4: yeah, yeah, that's that yeah, that's a really good point. I think yeah, timing is timing is everything. I mean, she still pulled it off and no, it's a, I know when it's I fr- when I first saw that sketch she came in and just kind of like I don't know if it was a trench coat or just yeah, she's normal wearing, like, a clothes. Trench coat. Yeah, yeah, and just she ripped him off to reveal that she was a dominatrix, and mm-hmm. and even you know it played well with me just kind of knowing her personality. Um, but you're right, like you know at the time it would have added that much more umph. It was if it was like in season three or, yeah. or or something like that. Definitely, we have to talk about her most famous recurring sketch uh, that she was involved with, um, the Coneheads. Right. Uh so so do you have anything um for us as far as her involvement in the
5: Coneheads? Well, I mean, I think she is just it, like I do see why they paired her with Dan on update in season 3 because I really do feel like she and Dan do really good work together. Again, with like the main way uh you know, talk shows and stuff. They're really great together and to have something as insanely dan as the cone heads and have her just fall lockstep into it as well as she does is is so commendable because it's like dan is his own unique beast for sure and i know that he wrote those with tom davis and stuff but it's still you know hyper dan and uh yeah the fact that she is she's so natural in it is uh again another notch in the belt of like she can really when she needs to she can go super wacky and yeah. and primat uh shows that and I, and it's kind of interesting that that's one of her most well-known characters and then the other is also a mother which is Mrs. Lupner from the mm-hmm. nerd sketches oh that's right And so it's almost that dichotomy, you know, you've got wacky conehead mom and then Mrs. Lupner, you know, affable fifties, uh, you know, mom in the nerd sketches. And, uh, you know, that, that, that right there is like the the dichotomy of what she can do in a way. Yeah. You know, what sticks out to me about
4: the coneheads is She's playing Dan Aykroyd's game as far as the cadence and delivery of a character, and she's keeping up.
0: Your mother and I were instructed to pilot our machine to Earth, seize all major centers of radio and television communication, and inform the people of Earth that we of the planet we were taking over their world. Your father was to make it clear to the Earth people that the two of us were to be called the Timekeepers. that we would remain here for seven centuries, that we were to end all wars, that the Earth weapons were useless against us, and that they would destroy them if they did not follow our instructions.
4: She's doing Mm -hmm. just as well at that sort of delivery and cadence, because we know that Dan can pull that off perfectly. I mean that that's a that's a similar rhythm to his bass, maybe like a bassematic, like a slowed down version of a bassematic cadence, and we know it's, Dan it's can his do that. Voice. It's his Dan's voice. You're yeah. right, and Jane just totally keeps up and fits in playing what we think of as Dan's sort of game uh, yeah. in that sketch, and those sketches are just overall like rewatching them they're more clever than i think anybody remembers uh, most of them are uh, uh, in my opinion I think, no, no, they're I, think, all, they're, I think they're i think they're a little more clever than than i always gave them credit for
5: no yeah least. they're they're more than just uh, just stupid silliness like there there is uh, i mean there's even an element of satire i mean again this is uh, you know aliens landing on earth and this is their view of, of American life. So, mm-hmm. you know, there there is uh, a bit of satire there, but much like SNL, I think they just went to the well one too many times. The last no, couple of right. Coneheads are yeah. a
4: little bit iffy, but yeah, they did uh, 11, 11 Coneheads yeah. uh, uh, in the first five seasons. Uh, yeah. Which I suppose I mean compared to some things you'd mentioned Emily Latella. Yeah, I think Emily Latella was on like thirty times or something.
5: Well, I think yeah, she did <laughs> Emily Latella eleven times in eleven episodes.
4: In eleven episodes, yeah. yeah. So I think I think you're right about that. Are there any uh, other sketches or characters uh, from Jane that that listeners kind of should go
5: back and rewatch? Well, I mean. Not so much sketches, but, and it kind of fades away by like season three, I think. But uh, one thing that's really struck me, because I am kind of revisiting the original era right now, is uh, just how phenomenal her, Lorraine, and Gilda sound singing together. They are incredible together. And their harmonies are top-notch. So, like, the the Chevy's girls. Chevy,
0: Chevy, I love when you fall down Each Saturday night on my TV Oh, my Chevy, every time you take that ball I wish that you were falling Falling for me
5: Or uh the Frosty the Snowman segment from the first Christmas episode. The young Caucasians from from the Ray Charles episode anytime that Jane and Lorraine and Gilda get together to sing a song it just blows the house down they are incredible together and again I, know, I just don't know too much about Jane's background so I don't even know if she was a singer before yeah. they like you know was she trained at all for this but uh like somehow the alchemy worked that those three voices together are just Incredible. Incredible. And actually, I will say this much. This will be my final note for Jane, and I kind of alluded to it uh, earlier, is that season five of the show, where everything's kind of winding down for the original cast, everybody's gassed out, everybody's uh, eyeing the door, Jane has her best season. Like in a way, she gets better every single season, and really latches on to the opportunity to make season five her own. And I think anybody who has seen that season and kind of gone through it, it's 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 a rough journey, but you do you will step back and go, "Well, Jane was just killing it all the time in that season," and I, I think that almost more than anything else, like just. How much of a powerhouse she was, and and really down to earth and not gassing herself out like everybody else, that she could come in when everybody is just donezo, and she's like, I got new characters. Like she she introduces some characters like six episodes from the end of the show. Like it's Vanessa Bayer, just like, you know, just like I got new characters to throw in here. Uh, like I'm not done. And so. That that's just that that shows just how lasting of of a talent she is. Uh, just like she knows how to pace herself, and so when the opportunity is presented to her, she she snatches it. And uh, yeah, for a rough rough season of SNL, she just she takes that one by the you know by the collar and takes it for all it's worth. And uh, that's really. A sign of her quality.
4: Yeah, I think that's a great case for Jane Curtin's candidacy for the SNL Hall of Fame, and I'll editorialize here and say that I think she should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um we'll see what our listeners think. Uh, though, Ooh. so hopefully they latched onto what you were saying and they vote uh, the one. Don't let me
5: down. Don't, and don't let, let down. Andrew down. Please don't let Andrew down. Andrew but that's the did. thing is, like, you <laughs> yeah. really have to. Like, that's the crazy thing about Jane is that you really do need to be sort of in it. Like, you need to have seen these seasons to really understand it. I, again, it's not, you're not seeing these best of clips. You just need to see her in an episode killing it as an extra character in this sketch or this sketch. And now she's on update and now she's doing great work over here, but she's never like controlling. She's never swallowing up the show. Hmm. She's just constantly fantastic everywhere and, and elevating. So again, that's why I feel like she's the backbone. Like she, she always provides, you can just sprinkle her in anywhere and and then she's going to give you everything so
4: yes indeed indeed so andrew dick thank you so much for joining me today
5: yes it was a blast i love talking about jane oh and one last thing hey okay one last thing sure because it always i i do stream i have been streaming these episodes on twitch and you know what everybody talks about it's like Jane's hair on update is always immaculate. Like I think it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's like Chevy. I think they were kind of going with a preppy college guy uh, thing with him. And so I think they do the same thing with, with Jane, where she has these kind of like this flowing layered uh, hairdo. And it always looks amazing. And uh, I think every, every single time, everybody's like, Jane looks amazing tonight. And it's like, yes, she does.
4: Because she did all yes. the time. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. And I think the only thing left to say is
5: good
0: night and have a pleasant tomorrow.
2: All right. Thank you so much, Andrew Dick. And Thomas Senna, what a great conversation about the uh, underrated. I'm going to say she's underrated. I'm going to say that a lot of people just think of her as this uh, update anchor who was the mom in the room and uh, disregard a lot of the stuff that Andrew went through. Uh, Built a very strong case for Jane Curtin. So there's that. Now let's get right into the sketch that we uh, always do at the end of every episode, the sketch that solidifies the nomination. In this sketch, Jane plays a wife who is hosting an orgy at her house. When her husband gets home, the participants have to hide and the husbands find each person hiding and Jane comes up with reasons why they're there. This is a great sketch to exemplify what Jane is and does for the show beyond update or a talk show house. So let's get right to it. This is Jane Curtin in the Orgy House.
6: That's not the spot, just a little bit higher.
1: There?
0: Oh, That feels great.
1: Good.
3: Oh.
2: the door. The door. Hi, honey.
6: Oh, hi, honey. You're home early. What a surprise.
2: What are you doing the housework for?
6: It's Trixie's day off, remember?
3: Well, I thought Thursday was Trixie's day off. No. Say, honey, I really could have sworn I heard a man's voice in here when I came in.
6: Oh, why, that's impossible. I'm here all by my lonesome.
3: (laughs) Well, I guess I must have imagined it. I... I think will have me a cold beer. Boy, boy, what a day. Well, what's this?
6: How you doing? <laughs> Why, silly, that's no this. That's new janitor in the fridge.
3: <laughs> well, what's that?
6: New janitor in the fridge makes your refrigerator self-cleaning, keeps shelves and drawers gleaming and odor-free, kills household germs, shines all fridge surfaces with no rubbing, no scrubbing, no rinsing, no wiping. Food stays fresher longer, and so do I. <laughs>
2: Hey, honey, that's great. Uh, See you later. Well, I, I guess that explains the whatever, whatever there is to explain, eh? Anyway, here, take that, will okay, you, honey?
3: Oh, oh, boy. Uh... Hey, what's
6: this?
0: What
2: is this?
6: Honey, that's what? no this. That's new no doorman in the closet. <laughs>
0: what's that? New doorman in the closet
6: is the ultimate closet aid. Meets and greets your clothes, takes messages for your hats, and phones up to tell your galoshes your raincoat's here. Oh yes, new doorman in the closet really makes your closet (laughs) well-hung.
2: Hey, honey, that's, that's great, that's great. Oh boy.
3: You know what I need right now? Do we have any more of those pretzels? Boy, I could go for a pretzel.
2: Hey,
6: what's this? Didn't you say today was Trixie's day off? Silly, that's not Trixie. That's new mailman oh, and no. the maid. Uh, what was that? <laughs> new like two products rolled up into one
3: <laughs> it
6: brings your mail and gives your floors a hard as wax shine fights insufficient postage and household odors removes stubborn greasy grime and brings your birthday cards deodorizes thank you notes wedding invitation and chain letters and returns your blender to sender
3: oh, well, well, all right honey I guess it's
2: great I guess it's great I tell someday <laughs> what they won't think of next look I'm gonna take these pretzels and that beer and hit the old bed and look at a little TV.
0: Oh, dear. Um, Dear.
2: Hey, shut off that light. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, who are you?
6: (laughs) (laughs) Honey, that's no you. That's new milkman in the bedroom. Well, what's that? new milkman in the bedroom really delivers fresh whole night tables delicious nutritious bureaus pillows loaded with vitamins and minerals vanities rich in calcium cuz you never outgrow your need for furniture <laughs> it's a real wife saver
2: hey honey that's uh that's great real great <laughs>
6: Lady in the house next
0: door. (laughs) Has life got you down lately? Well, new lady in the house next door can help get you up again. It's fast (laughs) and it's
2: easy. That was dynamite. That was really dynamite. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen that sketch before, so I'm not sure... You know, there's a lot of lines in that sketch that Jane has to deliver, and she does it channeling almost Dan Aykroyd's rat-a-tat-tat style, and it's uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, really showing off what she can do in, um, in a sketch, so there's that. If you are not listening to That Week in SNL featuring Andrew Dick, you're doing it wrong. It's a great podcast. You should also subscribe to his Patreon and check that out. In the interim, I want to thank my co-host Thomas Senna for another great conversation and our featured player Matthew Ardill, who handily hosts Matt's Minutia Minute with uh, a plum. So we'll talk to you next week when we nominate Beyonce to the SNL Hall of Fame. And that's going to be another great, great episode with uh, Will Norman featured on the episode. So check that out. Make sure to rate and review the podcast where you can. And we'll see you next week. But before you leave, do me a favor on your way out as you pass the weekend update exhibit. Turn out the lights, because the SNL Hall of Fame is now
1: closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug DeNant saying, this is Doug DeNant saying, see you next week.
2: Duvra. Podcasts and such.